Hey guys, Pastor Jordan here. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And I want to say a special thanks to everyone who has given to the Legacy offering so far this year. We've been blown away by the generosity of our church. Just a reminder that you can give to the Legacy offering all the way through December 31st for your year-end giving. You can give online at harbor.church slash give or text an amount and the word legacy to 844-467-1311. Thank you so much for your generosity and thanks for listening. Well, it's my absolute favorite time of year. I don't know, I don't understand people who don't enjoy Christmas, but from about Thanksgiving through the end of the year, it's my absolute favorite time of year. And for me, I love the songs of the season. I love the songs that kind of mark that it's Christmas. But growing up for me, it was really even more than the songs of Christmas. It was the movies of Christmas that were the soundtrack of the Christmas season for our family. I don't know what it is about Christmas movies, but there's something about this idea that you really only watch these movies a certain time of year. And if you're like our family, there's like a list of movies that you've got to get in in that Christmas season. Like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there are those movies that you have to get in. And the movies are are so familiar to us. We we know the stories inside and out. I don't actually have to sit down and watch any of them. They're just kind of in the background, the the soundtrack of the season, and my girls will put them on, and they'll watch the movies, and and I don't have to sit down and really take the movie in to understand what's going on. I can sit down at any point and pick up the story because I know the story. I don't need to be filled in on how exactly Kevin got left home alone. I don't have to be filled in on why he is in New York while his family is in Miami. I I don't need to be filled in on why Clark Griswold is checking every single bulb on his house. I don't need to be filled in on why the Grinch is so upset about Christmas. I know these stories. I can come in and sit down at any moment and pick up the story right where it is. I think this is the danger with the Christmas story in the scriptures, though is that we approach this season as though we're so familiar with the story. We know the story so well that we don't really need to give our full attention to the story because we already know it. And so at various times throughout the Christmas season, we can just kind of pick up on the Christmas story and it's okay that we may have missed a detail here or a detail there because, well, we know the story. And so we don't need to be filled in on the details. The problem is that, that this season of Christmas, this season of Advent is meant to be a season of anticipation, a season where we are anticipating and remembering what Jesus did so many years ago when God sent his only son into a manger to be the savior of the world. That's the part of the story that we're all familiar with. We all know the story of the wise men. We all know the story of Mary who, who, who carries the child. But I, I think so often some of the details of these stories get lost in our familiarity. Some of the significance of these moments get lost in the familiarity of the story. See, the, the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus coming to the earth, that moment is really the moment that everything changed for everyone. It's the moment that everything changed for everyone. But before there was the moment where everything changed for everyone, everything changed for someone, for an individual. See, because before the world knew that the Messiah was coming, Mary knew that the Messiah was coming. 
Joseph knew that the Messiah was coming. And I think often their stories get, if I can even say it, overshadowed by the bigger story of Christmas. I don't know about you guys, but, and if you've been around, you've heard me say this before, but I absolutely love being comfortable when it comes to clothing. Like, I don't like when I have to go someplace that I have to be really dressed up because I prefer to be comfortable. And if you could come to my house right after this service, you would be amazed at how quickly I'm in like basketball shorts and a t-shirt. And you would think like, oh, if you're having people over, it's probably different. No, if you came to my house for lunch, by the time you walked in the door, I would already be in basketball shorts and a t-shirt because I just want to be comfortable in my own space. I prefer to be comfortable in my own space. And so for a long time through college and early adulthood, what I did was I had some dress clothes that passed as dress clothes. Like they passed enough of dress clothes. Like if I had to go to something that required dress clothes, I technically had something that I could wear to get by. But I didn't really put much effort into it because I did not like wearing them. And eventually, though, I got to this point where I realized if I was going to have to go to these places that required me to dress a certain way, I should invest in that kind of clothing. And so finally, several years ago, I decided I was going to get myself a couple of really nice suits, get them tailored really nice so that if I had to wear something I didn't want to wear, at least I could wear it well. At least I could look good wearing it. There are places that we are required to go that require us to wear things that maybe we wouldn't be so comfortable wearing. Maybe we wouldn't choose to wear. And there are seasons of life that we would never choose. There are seasons of life that we would never choose to walk through. They're not the comfortable seasons that we would choose if we could choose. But part of following Jesus, part of submitting our lives to Jesus is learning even in those seasons of pain, even in those seasons of loss, even in those seasons that we would never choose for ourselves, somehow learning to wear those seasons well. And this is why I think the Christmas story begins with Mary, because sometimes I think we don't quite realize the weight of what she was being asked to carry in this moment of scripture where she's approached by the angel Gabriel and told that she's going to carry the Messiah. Because it would have been a lot simpler if perhaps he had told everyone that Mary was going to be carrying the Messiah. But he just told Mary and he just told Joseph. And for many months, they were carrying the weight of this season in some ways on their own. And I think If we look at the story, Mary's reaction to stewarding this season, the way that she wears this season is very significant. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says this. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now now notice in that moment that the angel has said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. And it says that Mary is greatly troubled. Have you ever just been able to tell by the way that someone greets you that they are about to drop something on you? Like you just know by the way they approach the conversation that this is not going to be good for you. 
It says that Mary wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It seems obvious in the moment. He says, you are highly favored. This seems like a good greeting. But I don't know about you, but there are moments where my wife will come to me or one of my daughters will come to me. And just by the way they begin the conversation, I know they're about to ask me to do something I don't want to do or go somewhere I don't want to go. And I think this is what Mary is sensing in this moment. She's sensing that there is more to this greeting than meets the eye. But I think in some ways in this season, it's comforting to know that you can be both highly favored and greatly troubled. That the angel says to Mary, you are highly favored, and yet her response is that she is greatly troubled that she is feeling the weight of that moment. See, so often when we think about the favor of God, we certainly don't think of something that would trouble us. When we think of the favor of God, we think of something that makes our life easier. In fact, sometimes we interpret the presence of trouble in our lives as the absence of God in our lives. That surely, God, if you were present, these troubles would not be present. God, surely if you were here, this situation would not be here. That if these troubles are present, then you must be absent. But that's because we don't fully understand the favor of God in our lives. We define the favor of God as anything that makes our life easier. Yesterday, I had to run some errands with my three-year-old, and we were out, and, and we were going through the parking lots of these stores that were just jam-packed for the Christmas season, and we pulled into Publix, and I mean, I could not see a single parking spot anywhere for the eye to see. I mean, it was just a sea of cars all the way back to the back of the parking lot, and so my initial thought was, well, I'll just, I'll just park as far away as we possibly can. There's no reason to really even go to the front of the parking lot because all of these spots are taken. But we got kind of funneled into a line where I found myself going toward the front. And as luck would have it, as soon as we turned to go like to circle back around to the back of the parking lot, someone pulled out of the very first parking spot outside of Publix. And I was like, this is the favor of God. This is what it looks like. This is what the favor of God looks like. All of these spots and this one is open for me. And I thought, surely it's like expecting moms, handicapped, like veterans. No, perfectly open spot right up front. And I pulled in and I'm like, this is it. This is the favor of God. Everything for the rest of this day is going to be perfect. Because we view the favor of God as the, as the means of removing anything inconvenient from our life. That if the favor of God is in my life, surely I wouldn't have to walk further. Surely my life wouldn't get more difficult. It, it would eliminate all of the waiting. It would eliminate all of the questioning. It would eliminate all of the problems if the favor of God is present. And yet the angel comes to Mary and says, you are highly favored. And her immediate response is to be greatly troubled. Many interpretations say that she was overwhelmed. I find comfort in the fact that the initiation of the Christmas season was someone being overwhelmed because that is a tradition that we have carried through the Christmas season very well. If there's one principle that we have stewarded well from this story, it's that we often spend the Christmas season overwhelmed. And it says that Mary was greatly troubled. She was overwhelmed. See, I think our misunderstanding of the favor of God in our lives stems from this idea that we want the favor of God without the responsibility of God. We want the favor of God without the responsibility of carrying what he's asked us to carry. 
We want the favor of God without having to steward what he's asking us to steward. See, this is the realization that Mary had in this moment, is that if you're here talking to me, Surely you didn't come to just tell me that I'm highly favored. There must be the weight of some responsibility coming. See, the favor of God towards Mary was actually that he saw a greater capacity within her than she saw within herself. The the favor of God towards Mary was that he saw in her the capacity to carry out a difficult assignment that she didn't even understand that she didn't even know existed moments before this. And we know that she didn't understand it because the moment that he explains to her what is going to happen, she begins to question it. We pick up again in verse 29. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor again with your God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. See, in in this moment, Mary looks to this angel and she says, how can this be? And this is a perfectly human and natural response to something that seems impossible in the moment. How could this possibly be? She begins to question the, the call How can this be since I am a virgin? Her immediate response is to question the assignment. Have you ever been in a season of your life where you went from being greatly troubled to questioning? You went from wondering how this could possibly be, how this could have possibly happened to you, how this could possibly have fallen on you to questioning God in that moment. I think what we have to remember is that in this moment, questions are an appropriate response to what she is being asked. Questions are actually an appropriate response. That so often we will question the season we are in and and sometimes view this as a lack of faith in God. But so often when we're faced with the reality of the season that we're in, the only thing we can come up with is questions. How? How could this be? Why? Why me? How can I possibly see this through? How can I take on this responsibility? See, so often you'll you'll hear people say things like, you know, never question God. Do not question God. The only problem is if you find yourself reading the scriptures for yourself, you'll find that every single person that God calls to be used in a mighty way begins by questioning. They begin by questioning how they could possibly be the one. Abraham, how will I ever have a child? Zechariah, how could my wife ever bear a son? Moses, how can I speak for you? Even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, right before he goes to the cross as God, if there's any way, could you take this cup from me? See, I think what we have to realize is that, that questions do not disqualify you from fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. Questioning the season you're in does not disqualify you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. And in fact, so often questions are the appropriate response. We have to realize that God is not intimidated by our questions, that God is not intimidated by our questions. See, often we feel as though we have to fully understand what God is doing in order to be a part of it. That if we're going to be a part of what God is doing, we have to actually fully understand it. But notice in this moment that the angel explains how it is possible. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you will be with child. Well, that still makes no sense to Mary. 
There is no historical precedence for somebody having been impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not like he explained it and she said, oh, that makes perfect sense. Sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm in for the ride. No, she still has no idea how this is going to play itself out. It wasn't a thing that she understood, but notice this in verse 38. She says this, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I think what we have to realize is that in seasons where it feels as though we're being required to carry more than we ever expected to carry, when we have to carry more than we ever thought we would have to carry, that the first thing that we have to be willing to do is be willing to give up control. We have to be willing to trust God even in circumstances that we don't understand. We have to be willing to trust him even in circumstances that we don't understand. See, see, this is actually Mary modeling something that is a central theme to the Christmas story. And that is that, that Jesus does not just come as Savior. Jesus comes as Lord. That, that Jesus comes as the Lord that we are to submit our lives to. And in this moment, Mary submits to the plan that she does not understand. She gives up control and learning to trust God even when we don't understand our circumstances it is a key to carrying what God has for us. It is a key to carrying through when the weight seems too strong. See, because our reflex when we're in trouble is to take more control. It is to take as much control as we possibly can. See, I think sometimes we forget in this moment that Mary wasn't some teenager praying that God would reveal her purpose in her life. Mary had a plan for her life. Mary was set up to be married to Joseph. She knew what the next little bit of her life should look like. She had a plan and this completely disrupted everything about her life. This completely disrupted the plan that she had for her life. She was walking out her plan. She thought she knew what her life would look like. She thought she knew what she could handle and she was building her life around that concept. And that's what we do. We build our lives the way we think we can handle our lives. We build our lives in such a way that we think we can carry the weight. But in this moment, God says, I see more of in you. I see more that you're capable of handling more in this moment. Psalms uh, chapter 131 verse 8 says this. It says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Because of his faithful love, O oh, Lord, your love endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. I think it's very important that we notice that it says the Lord will work out his plans for our life. So often what we want is for God to work out our plan for our life. Like God, I'll make the plan if you'll take care of making sure it happens. God, I'll make the plan if you'll take care of the details. But what God says to us is I will make the plan if you take care of the details and I will be with you as you do. I will be with you as you walk it out. I mean, have you ever been in a moment where even just for a moment, you lost control of your car? I'm not talking about like you lost control of your car and you like spun out and had a massive accident. I'm talking about even just for a split second, you lost control of your vehicle. I'll never forget the first time that I hydroplaned. I was young, I was driving down I-4, it was pouring down rain. And if you had asked me if I had ever hydroplaned, I would have said yes because I thought I had experienced what it meant to actually hydroplane and lose control of my car. 
But then we were driving down the road and there was a lot going on. It was really raining. And all of a sudden, if you've ever experienced it, you know the feeling. It's like before anything even happens, the car is not like swerving wildly. It's not this big dramatic moment. You can just feel it. You don't have control of the car. Uh, the car is no longer under your control. You, you have nothing that you can do in that moment. And, and it's the worst feeling in the world. For me, it lasted maybe two or three seconds, but every bone in my body, every muscle in my body tensed up. I got both hands on the wheel. I'm gripping it tighter. And this is what we do in life when we feel as though we're starting to lose control. We try to hold on tighter. We grip tighter to the things that we know. We try to control what we can control. And if you know anything about losing control of your car, all of your instincts are wrong. Because in that moment, when you're losing control of your car, your, your instinct is to slam on your brakes, put it to a stop, maybe try to turn out of whatever is happening with the vehicle, when actually what they tell you to do, don't hit the brakes at all, slow down and turn into the uncertainty. Turn into the way that your car is going. That is the way you get back on track. And this is what the writer of Proverbs is describing when he says in Proverbs 3, chapter 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. See, so often we try to swerve our life back on track based on our understanding. We try to take control of the wheel and, and get back on track based on our own understanding. But we have to be in a place where we are willing to trust God, even in moments where we don't understand where we submit to God, where we serve God, even in moments where we don't understand what's happening. We have to realize that the best way to actually regain traction is not to reject the direction of uncertainty, but to trust God in it, to lean into God in it, to lean into what he's doing in our lives through it. This is what it looks like to trust in God and lean not on our own understanding Notice, once she trusts in God, I think it's very interesting that in verse 35, it says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, now notice in this moment that, that when she's asked to, to carry this, this assignment, the first thing she does is trust the Lord. The first thing she does is trust God. But the second thing she does is she confides in someone. She finds someone who's on the same journey that she's on. I don't think it's a mistake that the moment that this angel explains this impossible assignment, he says, even your relative Elizabeth, she's, she's going through the same thing. She was said to be barren and now she is with child. See, we cannot underestimate the importance of other people in our lives when we're carrying a heavy weight. When we're walking through a season that we don't understand, we cannot overestimate the importance of other people in our lives. She runs to her friends. She does not try to carry the weight on her own, but she doesn't just run to any friend. She runs to a godly friend who is on the same journey that she's on that actually understands the journey that she's on. See, last week we talked about how, how God was preparing the way for Jesus through John the Baptist. But isn't it interesting that his mother prepared the way for Mary? 
that his mother was actually on the same journey so that Mary had someone she could identify with, someone that could understand what she was walking through. You need people in your life who have walked the same uncertain path that you're on. You need people in your life who understand the uncertain season that you are in. The question I would have for you this morning is, is where do you run when you're greatly troubled? Who do you run to? What do you run to? Do you run to people who, who feed your fears? Do you run to habits or addictions? Where and what do you run to? See, when Elizabeth saw Mary, the Bible says in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? See, she called out in Mary what she was carrying. She said, how am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? See, you need people in your life who recognize what you're carrying. People in your life who recognize what you're carrying and can call it out of you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. You need people in your life that you can run to and you need to become the kind of person that people can run to. So often we walk through seasons of pain, we walk through seasons of uncertainty, and and after we get through those seasons, we need to become the kind of people that people can run to. That when they're walking through the same thing, you can be the one to call out and them, listen, I've been where you are. I am where you are, and you're going to make it through this. You're going to get through this. You need people in your life who understand the season that you are in. She, she trusted the Lord. She confided in someone, and then finally, she magnified the Lord. It says in verse 46, Mary's response to Elizabeth was to say this. She said, my soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. See, I would, I would ask you in, in a season where you're troubled, an uncertain season, in a season where it feels like you're carrying more than you can bear, what do you magnify in your life? Because whatever you magnify has power. It has, it has significance. I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid, but, um, and if any of you work for like PETA or something, uh, close your ears for a second. But we used to uh, get a magnifying glass and we would fry ants with it. You know, you can get the sun just right and it's like you can get a magnifying glass and you can like fry an ant, like it, it'll start smoking and stuff. And as a kid, that's a really cool thing. And, 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 and the reason that this happens is because it's, it's focusing all of the light in one spot. It's focusing all of the light in one spot. It's magnifying something into one spot. And when you're walking through troubles, you don't have to deny your trouble. You don't have to act like your trouble is not happening. The, the pain that you walk through is real. The uncertainty that you walk through is real. The circumstances are real. No one's saying ignore the circumstances, deny the circumstances. You don't have to deny it, but you also get to choose what you magnify. And when you magnify the Lord, it, it will begin to diminish those issues. It will begin to diminish that pain. But when you magnify that pain, 
When you magnify that trouble, it would diminish your faith, would diminish your resolve. See, in this moment of uncertainty, Mary, she, she trusts the Lord, she confides in her friend, but then she magnifies the Lord. She magnifies what he is doing in her life. Isaiah chapter 43, verse two says this, when you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. The hard trials that come will not hurt you. The comforting thing about that verse is that God is with us. It doesn't say that you won't walk through trials. It doesn't say that you won't walk through fire. In fact, it says when you pass through deep waters, when you pass through the fire, when the troubles and hard trials that come, I will be with you. They will not take you out because I will be with you. And this is what we need to be reminded of because the good news of the Christmas season is that no matter what you are walking through is that God came to be with us that God came to be Emmanuel, God with us. And I just think that there are probably some in this room who are walking through a Christmas season that feels more uncertain than ever, that feels more lonely than ever. Maybe it feels more painful than ever. And, and I want us to be reminded this morning that, that you, your story, your pain, your uncertainty, what you're carrying, it is felt and it is seen in the Christmas story. It is felt and it is seen in the story that brought forth the savior of the world. That it began with a young girl walking through a season of pain and uncertainty, just putting one foot in front of the other, trusting God, confiding in others, magnifying the Lord. And if that's you this Christmas season, if you would say, man, this Christmas season uh, is more uncertain than ever. It's more painful than ever. All I feel like I can do is put one foot in front of the other. You are not alone. You are not alone. There will be a day where your story births life in someone else, where you are the person that someone else gets to run through, that someone sees God with them because you knew that God was with you. And you sit with them in their pain and you identify with them in their pain. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning all across this room.